1: Now, I have something to add to our long list of funny things our student offspring do, which make us laugh out loud. We think we've prepared them for the world, but turns out there's a few gaps in their knowledge. So one of my lovely teenagers away at university in her lovely flat, cold flat in Glasgow. They have no hoover. Trish, no hoover. It's a tragedy. Oh dear, that's no good. Um, which concerns them because they like to to be clean. And I said, Oh well, just get one on eBay or go to the Facebook Marketplace. You'll be able to get something there cheaply between you all, easy to do. And then she rang me in a fury and said, Well, I did nearly get one, but I got into all sorts of trouble with it because it was ten pounds, and I thought, what a bargain! And I said, Well, it does sound quite a bargain for a new Hoover, toy Hoover, Trish, oh. toy Hoover. <laughs> They'd bought a toy Hoover by mistake. Well, they were quite grumpy about it and, and they rang the lady and complained and she said, well, I clearly said in the advert it was oh, a toy Hoover. Yes. But get this, all of them, and they are A-star students, yep. all of them thought that a toy Hoover would work. It was just a bit smaller.
2: A bit smaller, like a toy poodle. Says to me they're not very familiar with Hoovers, although they? they haven't done a lot of Hoovering in their lives. It's it's the wooden floor brigade, isn't it? Oh dear! Well, uh, there won't be much hoovering being done now either with that toy. No
1: affair. None at all, I should think. <laughs> Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy
2: and I'm Trish Halpin. If you're living in a hormonal hot house, feeling a bit overwhelmed and in need of some positive, uplifting and comforting guidance on how to lead a more
1: magnificent midlife, then this is the show for you. We chat to celebrities and experts on all things midlife, from menopause and perimenopause to parenting teens, via fashion, beauty, wellness, nutrition, fitness, careers, relationships, caring for elderly relatives and your finances. Yes, we are. Ask experts and famous guests all the questions you need
2: answered to have a happier, healthier and more harmonious second act. Ding, ding. dong, merrily on high, Leaving in, it too in heaven the bells are ringing. It's Christmas, it's the Christmas episode. More excuses to sing very badly, as far as I'm concerned. So, um, are you in a way in a manger fan? Or does Little Donkey float your festive
1: boat, Lorraine? Or did you like my ding dong? I love a ding dong from a young Patricia. Yes. And my favourite one is the 1978 number one, <gasps> Christmas number one. What do you think that was? Uh, oh, God, not Winifred School Choir. No. Boney M. <laughs> oh, Mary's, Mary's Boy, Boy Child. Child. Oh, my Lord. Oh, it's very moving. You like that one, don't you? Yeah. It's very moving. I like that one.
2: It's, did Johnny Mathis do that one as well? I like the Johnny Mathis one. I
1: was only 10. I can't
2: remember. <laughs> We digress. So here we are, mere weeks away from the big
1: day, and uh, safe to say I don't think I'm very prepared at all. What do you mean you're not prepared? (laughs) You're prepared for Armageddon, Trish. I mean, you're literally prepared for everything. If there was a freak thunderstorm followed by some kind of flash flooding, you would be prepared for that. Why aren't you prepared for Christmas? I'd have my canoe out. Well, I think what it
2: is is that I'm mentally prepared. I've kind of got it all planned out in my head, and I think it's because... When you've done as many Christmases as we have, Mm. it's all about sticking to the routine. If you stick to the routine, you can't go wrong. So all your 30s, you're establishing your family routine, aren't you? Your 40s, you're getting into it. And your 50s, you almost don't even need to think about it. And everybody loves it. The kids always want the day to be the same. Well, my kids certainly do, which I think is very sweet. Are yours like that?
1: They are like that, Trish. Hence our plan for 2023 Christmas has sent them spiralling, oh. spiralling. Because on Christmas Day, we will be getting up early and heading straight to the airport because this year I've decided we're going away. We're going off to Norway, somewhere snowy, where some of them can do skiing, where there is a lake for some dipping for yours truly as well. Oh, very freezing dipping. It's going to be very cold and dark by three o'clock, but I've had to set up a little WhatsApp group to prepare them because we won't be doing what we've always done, which is stockings in the morning, etc. We're going to do the Norwegian Scandinavian uh, habit of Christmas Eve, present opening. Christmas Eve. Lovely. Yeah. So I will be uh, up to my eyes in meatballs and... (laughs) Lapscous, as they call it, which is Norwegian stew. You can put anything in that, and uh, obviously buried under mountains of snow. What will be happening in the Halpen household? Well, I don't like the sound of the lapscous. That's for sure. All the meatballs, but never mind. Um, we're doing the same as
2: ever. It's my uh, lunch that I did from Red Magazine, which I first did about 28 years ago when I was the editor. Never fails. Lovely turkey with lemon and garlic and Brussels sprouts and everything. Got all of Neil's family. What's the veggie version for you then? Oh, I do a, it's a really lovely mushroom arse choke sort of pastry thing with a port and thyme gravy. Oh, very prulise port. And can I say, all the meat eaters try and get their mitts on it, but I have to be a little bit stingy with it, because obviously anything you make on Christmas Day has to last for about a week. Just, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're not going to do any cooking after that. Um, but yes, we've got all the in-laws coming. There's about, there's going to be about 14 of us, I think. But it's a bit easier because it's Secret Santa, uh, money for the kids. I mean, it's going to be a lot of work. Cooking, skivvying, unloading, loading the dishwasher, making up the beds. One of the Halpin family
1: will be quite (laughs) a lot of work. Well,
2: for one of, yeah, for me, exactly. I know Uh, the other one likes an eggnog with breakfast. Oh, I know, on the day. He'll be good in the run-up with helping get ready for it. Really, I suppose I am ready for it because that's all that strength training we've been talking about. That's all it's been about this year, building up to Christmas, enduring Christmas. So your your weight
1: training is to get your little sprout-sized biceps <laughs> going for the sprout peeling, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. Talking of sprouts, Trish, you do know I like a bit of vegetable chat. Um, there's been some very funny vegetable oh. chat on our Facebook group. I think I should explain, uh, because um it's all down to my sort of beetroot obsession and your beetroot obsession. Yes. You love beetroot, don't you? And I hate beetroot. I love beetroot. Yes,
2: yeah, so it's more about your loathing. That prompted the chat, yes. It did. Well I put up um as I put up the competitions because often our lovely guests give us a book to post on the group as a competition prize and I always like to Ask a little bit of a left uh, curveball kind of a question. So, for Dr. Rupi, who came on the other week, his lovely recipe book, I asked group members to post uh, a little story or a message about a food that they can't stand, vegetable, in the same way that you can't stand beetroot.
1: I could do a book on vegetables I don't like, Trish. Not just a post.
2: I'm just going to say I was with you once, and you did have a beetroot juice. Let's leave it there. I won't say any more.
1: I feel like you dared me to do that, and I will say yes to a dare.
2: Yeah, well, you drank it's all I can say. But anyway, celery got a couple of votes for being a total horror. Oh, it's
1: disgusting, celery. I love it. I love it. Do you? How can you like celery? It's a nothing thing. Oh, no, I love it. But Lisa
2: says, I don't think I'd like it this way, my mum and dad used to put salt all the way down the middle and eat it. Yuck. Welcome. Yeah, and it's about the only thing I don't eat now. While Suzanne claims celery is it's some kind of evil, yes. you find it hidden in salads, and people try to tell you it doesn't taste of anything, but it absolutely does. It's very
1: seventies celery, I think, isn't it? It's very bitter. It's very bitter. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Some of you on the Facebook group felt the same way about rhubarb. I mean, I, d- I quite like rhubarb. I don't understand the rhubarb. That's um, uh, Viruslava says I can't see the point of rhubarb. The only way to eat it is with tonnes of sugar. Just as well eat grass or leaves. Rebecca as it does something weird to your mouth and teeth. Surely it's poisonous. No, rhubarb's not poisonous. It is a bit stringy like celery though, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice with ginger, I think, if you
2: stew it with a bit of ginger. But apparently you're not supposed to do it in a metal pan or something. I think maybe that makes it poisonous, I'm not sure. We'll investigate and report back, shall we? That's why I don't do cooking, so many rules. Yes. Well, meanwhile, Kim threw us a total curveball with this unexpected one, cashew nuts. She says, they make me feel really uncomfortable. I can't explain it, it's totally irrational, but I've only got to see one and it makes my skin crawl. Oh, that's funny. Isn't it? If my husband wants to annoy me, which is very often... He just has to send me a
1: random photo of a cashew nut and it makes me feel really on edge and he thinks it's hilarious. I feel the same way about beetroot, you know. If you send me a picture of it, if you if I, if I you send me a picture of it, I can smell it and it's the smell I don't like. Oh, well, I don't think Kim should get any presents for her husband this year. That's a bit of uh, unwelcome behaviour from a loved one, isn't it? Santa wouldn't enjoy his uh, cashew taunting, as we may call it. Uh, talking of presents, our special guest on this, the Christmas episode, is a woman who knows a thing or two about finding gorgeous gifts. We have got Holly Tucker, especially for you, dear listener, co-founder of Online Shopping Emporium Not On The High Street, as well as her most recent retail adventure, Holly & Co. She knows more about gifts than Santa, I would venture. I think she does. She does. She's the modern-day Santa. And I can't
2: wait to talk to Holly because, uh, as actually, now that I think about it, I'm not as organised on the present front as I could be. Before we meet Holly, we want to say a huge thank you to everyone in our fantastic Postcards community for all your support in 2023. Whether you are a regular listener to this podcast, or you're an active member of our Facebook group, or maybe you've just subscribed to our new Postcards from Lorraine and Trish mini-magazine on the newsletter platform Substack, we are so happy and grateful for you to be part of this world.
1: It's been a joy, hasn't it, Trish, getting all the lovely comments and also, may I just say it, all the fangirls of the magazines that we used to edit, all the messages from women who are readers of Marie Claire and Elle and Sunday Time Style, the magazine, you know, when we were there as editors, that's been very joyful for me. So thank you, everyone. And uh, just before we meet Holly, though, uh, final word goes to Becky from our Facebook group. And she says, and this is so sweet. I just wanted to say how much I love being part of this group. I found it such a positive and safe space to come for support and advice. Thank you, ladies. Well, thank you, Becky, because we have some really lovely women on the group, don't we? Been long-time members, very helpful, always step in when they can to support people. Even if they're not giving information, they're just sending virtual hugs. I feel very proud to be part of that group, Trish. Oh, I think the tissues might be coming out again, Lorraine. The tissues. (gasps) Steady, nutty. Steady. As you know, dear listener, the whole point of this podcast is to take the stress out of your midlife. And as we head into what can sometimes be a super stressful time of the year for midlife women, the festive season, we have drafted in a chief Joy bringer on the show to brighten up your day. It's time to welcome one of the smartest women we know, entrepreneur Holly Tucker, MBE, into our hot seat to help you plan a very merry Christmas indeed. From buying on a budget to managing family expectations, Holly, who co-founded Not on the High Street and now runs Holly and Co, is an expert on curating the perfect holiday experience for women, and she knows a thing or two about making life less stressful. So if you're a little bit overwhelmed by all the tinselly tasks ahead of you, don't worry. By the end of this podcast, you'll be looking forward to putting your feet up with a baby sham and watching reruns of Morecambe and Wise instead of wishing you could go into hiding until New Year's Day. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Holly.
3: Thank you very much for having me. I'm so, so happy to be here.
1: Well, I think we should start by telling our listeners a little bit about you. So You, Holly, started straight from school into advertising, uh, but by the age of 25, you had been through quite a lot. You'd been diagnosed and were living with a brain tumour, which you still are. You were divorcing your childhood sweetheart, and then in 2005, you decided to change career direction, follow your passion, a new baby at the time, and you co-founded the online marketplace, Not On The High Street, which went on to become an enormous success, championing small businesses. You were recognised by the Queen. She gave you an MBE for services to small business in 2013 but then you stepped away from that in 2016 and set up Holly & Co in 2017 and Holly & Co is a kind of hub for inspiring and supporting small businesses 90% of the businesses are female founded and 80% of those female founders are our listeners women over 40 and it's a marketplace full of amazing little gems so tell us a bit about Holly & Co and where you are at and and how it all started.
3: Well, thank you very much for that intro. Actually, we only have started the marketplace part of Holly and Co. Five and a half weeks ago, so I feel like I'm doing it all over again, which I actually had promised my husband I never would because of the first round and the sort of the the uh, explosion that happened in our lives. But eight years ago, I started Holly and Co. I was coming out of not in the high street, and I realised that. Basically, business needed a a rebrand. Really, what we were seeing on TV, The Apprentice and Dragon's Den, oh my goodness, it was so outdated. And actually, I had been around small businesses and helping grow small businesses. Well, now it's coming on 20 years. So I'm very, very well versed on how different it is to what we see. And how male dominated it is, and actually, again, when we look at the parity between men and women starting businesses, it's absolutely um, shocking. So Holly and Co. was born out of knowing that I had this bird's eye point of view, not in the high street, and I couldn't ignore it. Someone once said to me, "Once you know something, unfortunately, you can't unknow it." And so I knew that all of these small businesses that I had been helping, they did very different things. But actually, their journey, the way they were feeling was very, very similar. And so what I did is I took all that knowledge, created Holly & Co. It was a rebrand for business, so it had to be colorful. It had to be positive. It had to be feminine. And actually went out there and did things such as start my own podcast, conversations, inspiration, wrote a book, um, held congregations in churches, campaigned for us to shop independent. And basically just brought some life into all of this. And so then the last jigsaw piece was five and a half weeks ago when I am a retailer at heart. I just knew that the last piece was actually then to help people vote with their money. And so I've brought a marketplace together with 500 unbelievable small businesses and i'm um, i yeah and and so for that part i'm just doing it all over again
2: wow i mean you've achieved so much and you're clearly a very very busy woman <laughs> you've always always got things on the go you're uh, 46 now i believe and you're mum to harry who is 18 and you married uh, your husband frank in lockdown in 2020 and you mentioned the book which is called do what you love to do the empowering secrets to turn your passion into profit what do you think sort of in your midlife years what are the kind of key lessons do you think that you've learned and about dealing with a stressful life? Because your life sounds very busy, quite stressful.
3: You know, I think we all have stressful lives. I think just by very nature, being this age is quite stressful. You're in that sandwich, aren't you? The triple shift generation. Um, my son has just gone to university. Um, as I said, I married my husband after 20 years of being together. We decided lockdown was the right time. And done many many things the i think the main point is on my 40th birthday or not the main point but really what governs how i feel about everything i do is on my 40th birthday i'm i'm very i like efficiency i like to juice the lemon of life i want to fit in how much do i need to fit in because i've got a lot of things to do and change and help so i worked out that roughly you know we have um, 29000 days on this planet and on my 40th birthday, I worked out I'd roughly got 14,000 left, God willing. And I haven't really updated it now, I'm 46, but it's less than 14,000. Well, you know what? That it underpinned a real shift in my, my mentality, which is yeah, I am busy. I'm the happiest I've ever been. I do have enormous stresses, but actually, I would not change it for the world because ultimately I have looked at the future. I've, I, I sort of know what's going to be on my gravestone. I hope to be remembered as someone who really helped people be the fullest versions of themselves. And then I've sort of worked backwards. And as long as what I'm doing today takes me to that grave, you know, that that's it takes me to that point. Then I'm I am actually deeply happy. And so the busyness and the stress and money worries and growing companies and all those sorts of things. Yeah, that's what we all do. But actually, it's the way that we approach it. And I think that's the difference between doing it when I was 28 and starting it when I'm 46. And actually, it's bizarre. My son was three months old when I started Not On The High Street. And two weeks before we launched Holly & Coast Marketplace, I took him to uni. I mean, how can life have that as timings? That is, I did not plan it, by the way, like that. That was highly stressful couple of weeks, but it was just that moment in time where I went, I'm shifting my perspective on all of this. So I live in gratitude. I try and um, not worry about things. I'm not a warrior. I mean, I deeply worry, but I'm not a warrior. I always think there's a solution. What I don't know, however big the issue, there really is a solution. You've just got to find out what it is and I'm now on this journey I'm trying to recognize the milestones at Not High Street I was a double spanks woman you know running to the toilet in between meetings with my PA running behind me I mean I'm sure you can remember that sort of thing manicness every day day in day out and actually I didn't recognize what I was even doing I, I mean I didn't recognize the changes I was making or the achievements that we were having or the next level we we had hit, and this time, I really plan to recognize those things.
1: so you have space between what you're doing to take the
3: time to value it. Are you well now, Holly? Is everything all right? Yes, yeah, I mean, it's just something you live with and and absolutely, yes, I got discharged six years after finding it, and it's all good. and you know, battled other things during the way as as we all do. It is taking the time, but actually we don't have much time as busy women, do we? But so if you actually just change the wiring, you don't even need time. It's how you approach going into a stressful meeting. You know, it's actually on the spot. I will try and rewire the way this this is going to end up. How is a difficult meeting going to go? Well, I'm going to make sure it's okay. I don't have much downtime to do some soul searching. Let's put it that way.
1: Well, let's do a bit of soul searching because they used to call you um, Hurricane Holly at work because you brought this enormous energy into the room. When do we need a lot of energy? We need it at Christmas, don't we, Trish? We need Christmas energy. So let us start, because this is the Christmas episode, by sponging all the tips out of you, the Christmas organisation tips. So Give us an overarching things we could do right now, Holly, at this stage before however many sleeps it is to the big day. Where are you at?
3: Well, number one, we just got to recognise it's all about Mother Christmas. Number one, that is fact. You know, Father Christmas has had way too much of the limelight, as in every industry. Um, So it is all about Mother Christmas. And I just think at this stage, come on, we've got to get the joy back into Christmas. It's it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to happen every single year, as much as we try and get more organized than we don't and all these sorts of things. So um, for myself, something I changed a few years ago, knowing I was going to get busier and busier, was just looking at some of the things I could do for my future self, so Having a online uh, document that had what I gave everybody each year, for instance, so that I wasn't re-gifting, so I wasn't gifting someone the same thing. I try and get my Christmas cards done by the end of November so that when peak seasons happen or what, Christmas mania, kids, everything happens, doesn't it? We're not literally trying to write thoughtful Christmas cards, which is probably the last thing. That you're looking to do. I also think that planning, and I'm going to talk a lot more about this over the years, actually, I'm obviously a massive small business advocate. And what's shocking now is that Christmas, I remember starting on the high street, and we would start Christmas to customers on the 1st of October. Now, that's nearly 20 years ago. Now, I would say it's going to be we're coming into Black Friday. And actually, it's going to be on Monday that people start doing their Christmas shopping. Now for small businesses, that is incredibly difficult to almost cram in everything into literally four, three and a half weeks. You know, we're giving ourselves three and a half weeks and I just think that us women can help ourselves by not giving ourselves three and a half weeks. You know, Black Friday might determine how retail sector goes, but it doesn't have to determine how we handle Christmas. A couple of other things, non-negotiables, You know, what do you actually like about Christmas? Have you actually written it down? The booze. Yeah, so (laughs) the booze, fine. But, you know, things like if the cooking is not, you know what I mean? Like you would be happy if you never saw another turkey again. Really look at it because I do think that sometimes we can just perpetuate the issue, which is by not trying to break it and solve it. So I've written down some of the things I like. One of the things I do like is to gift. But what I do not like doing is, any of the cooking or even thinking about carrots or anything like that. So my husband will do that and my son will pick up some of the things. So it's about what we like to do and then delegating, but almost saying, no, no, this isn't just for this year. Forever and ever, I'm never touching a carrot again. Do not ask me to peel.
1: (laughs) I like it. I'm going to say, Holly told me I do not have to touch these vegetables (laughs) on this day. (laughs) Yeah, you just do it, don't you? Don't think it through. You just do it.
3: Somehow it's Mrs Christmas's role, Mrs Mother Christmas's role to not only do every single card, every single gift, every single commitment. You know, remember when you go to the Christmas party that you've got to have a present for the host. I
1: wrote down last year, because I was so tired of the present buying being my responsibility, how many presents I bought. I bought 48 presents last year. I wrote them all down. So... About a week ago, my husband and I had a little chat and I said, I am not buying 48 presents this year because he's got an en- enormous family that is huge. So we've had we've had an agreement. I've said, I will buy 20, you'll buy the others. But I had just continued doing that. You're absolutely
3: right, without thinking, why am I doing this? Change only comes with change. So if you want this to stop being such a laboured period of time, we've almost just got to go right. And And by the way, that could be, keeping the things that you really do enjoy, you know, but definitely getting people to help. So Lorraine, I think
2: you're going to have to send James to the Holly & Co website, aren't you? Because it literally is the perfect place for Christmas gifting. And we are talking to somebody who loves gifting. I, I don't love it because I don't feel that confident about it, I think. I don't, I don't know why I worry about what to buy people and what they think. But we'd love to ask you a little bit about gift giving etiquette because especially when you get to teen teenagers and I have this like you know my parents or my dad will say what do your kid what do the kids want and I'm like well they just want money and it's quite awkward isn't it do you have any kind of not rules but any frameworks around gift giving how much to spend all of that kind of thing
3: not necessarily how much to spend but I have two things that I hope might help those that are listening I believe that gifting, so when my husband says to me, you're the most difficult person to buy for, and I'm like, okay, Frank, this is not funny, you know, two marketplaces in 20 years that I've created, pretty much you can buy anything on there, and I'm going to be very, very happy, but he still will say that. So I think one of the things that you can do is concentrate on the niche. So anyone, so you could give me anyone, and just describe them and talk about their interests. So let's just say you have a best friend um, or no, sorry, a kid's teacher or something like that. And they love uh, they've got a border terrier. Actually, they love walking with their border terrier. Um, What about a mum who, you know, that's taken up wild swimming this year? Uh, What about someone who's just run the marathon for the first time? What about someone who's turned vegan? It goes on and on. It's the little things that you know about that person. And we call it gift the niche. So find out the niche of a person and then double down into the niche. And that's where the fun, by the way, starts. So I think everyone has niches. You've just got to think about them. So you've just got to think about what's their year entail, what, what they've done this year, and then pick something that you know that's really made them happy. And then just think about that. So let's say a wild swimmer. So we have a mug on the, um, on the site that has wild swimming, beautifully handmade. What about putting chocolate sardines in the mug? And what about getting a lovely towel and having the wrapping paper as a towel? And so you wrap up the mug with a towel with the chocolate sardine. Perfect. Perfect for me. Done. Right. Yeah. You see, but I could go on, you know, it's just find out what it is. The other thing is I love a good theme. Love a theme. So you could say, so each year you can pick a theme. So I have five best friends. And I'll pick a theme. Last um, year was the fact that we always end up dancing with a few too many margaritas, so it was kitchen disco was my theme. So there, I found a painted disco ball. Um, I have a lovely uh, bag on the site that's uh, this way to the disco, and I bought that. I put the disco ball in there. I had um, some a funny little doll made up of their favorite artists, and then I gave them a invitation to dancing on the table at my house on a certain night. And I wrapped that up. Now, then I bought that for five people, though, you know, I bought that for my five girlfriends. So you can find a theme um, and actually then replicate it for different people, obviously, potentially not when they're all in the same room. But you know, if they're spread, (laughs) spread about. So those are two tips that I really think should help you this Christmas.
2: So thoughtful. So thoughtful and kind. I like that a lot.
1: Trish likes vests. I'm going to (laughs) double down on the niche theme of vests. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if we're, um, I mean, I guess most people this year will be looking at budget because we are in a cost of living crisis, thanks to our terrible male bosses. So if you come from a family, perhaps, that are big gift givers... I mean, my husband's family are big gift givers, but you want to sort of draw back a bit because you're cutting back. What can we do if we don't want to spend big money, but we still want to say we thought about you? Is it is it handmade things or or how how do you tackle that from the budget point of view?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm very proud on our site. We have um, 15000 products and every single one is touched by hand. So we have no retailers selling on the site. Everything is made on the site. But genuinely, so I think firstly, finding handmade items, finding items by small businesses is a gift. So when you're giving something to someone by almost describing, you know, it might be a bit smaller this year. But did you know that this is actually a potter who's made this mug? It actually took six hours to do this. And I found her and she comes from Devon. And even describing it is a gift in itself. But there's other things that you can do. We have these um, amazing animals on the site, so from um, giraffes to dogs to bunnies, and they've all got like crowns. And and I found a dinosaur and it has a dinosaur with a hat on it. And it was for two twin girls and they both got a dinosaur. But we bought them a ticket to the Natural History Museum and we put it in a scroll and the dinosaur held the scroll. That was a lesson I would have necessarily spent, but it was the thought The combining those two things, or what about if you gave a diary? And what about if you, let's say someone had just had a baby. What about putting in there some babysitting nights that you could give? What about someone's going through a very difficult time? You could actually buy a diary and couldn't you? You could say every uh, last Friday of every month, you almost write in what you're both going to do. That is the diary. That's hopefully a lower cost item. But the gift is the time that you're going to give them. That's a very nice
2: idea. Yeah, it is. So um, I'm guessing then that you never ask people what they want. Do you do that with your son? Do you ask your son what he I, wants? I do or...
3: ask my son right now because he's in that really is annoying. He like 90s, going on 19, so and uni and being a bit messy and dirty and all that sort of stuff. So I'm just like, you know what? What do you want? But um, he's the only person that I'll ask. I don't tend, for me, myself, I don't tend to ask someone what they want, because I want to surprise them. I do think that there is that element of, even if someone says, I don't want a gift, yes, they do. and, <laughs> and they, Especially from and, you, Holly, because they're so good, your <laughs> gifts. <laughs> do, and they want you to have maybe thought about them. And so I, I don't ask people what they want. I try and really, during the year, actually, I'll make a mental note of, that would be a nice idea for Christmas. So yes, yeah, so I, I don't tend to ask people.
1: And what about trying to be a bit more sustainable uh for Christmas? Because um it's quite hard. There's so much wrapping that can't be recycled, cards that can't how do we approach it if we're a bit worried about the planet and um our teenage daughters tell us off every time we buy anything new?
3: I think that actually small businesses are leading the way here. Um certainly a lot of our products on the site are sustainable. We have um Strinsel, that's tinsel made out of string. We have cards that are plantable. Uh, We have uh, lovely pieces of material rather than wrapping paper that are made out of old um, saris. I think that actually you'll find if you go to small businesses, they're sort of leading that way. Card companies that don't have the plastic wrap in them and things like that. I do think that actually sustainability can be wider than just the environment. You know, sustainability of our independent high streets, sustainability of women staying employed in their small business that they created, sustainability in um, still increasing uh, us buying from diverse groups of people. You know, I think that that there's a broader thing of sustainability. So I think that absolutely caring for the planet, but maybe pick a value that you really care about and and really search out when you search for your niche you also add in that other element. I'm going to do this theme, but I'm only going to buy from female businesses this year. Oh, I'm going to do this theme, but I'm only going to buy with those who don't have wrapping. And I'm actually going to give it to everybody with a gift tag on it. And I'm not even going to wrap the present, almost to cause a bit of a stir. Do you know what I mean? So you can just bring those things to life. But I think certainly from what I'm seeing, it's not a trend It is now a value of small businesses, and I and so we're going to just keep keep seeing this increasing.
2: And are there any other trends? Do you think there are Christmas trends, whether it be in decorations or in gifting or in themes? Are you are you noticing anything among the people in your marketplace?
3: I can't bear trends. I can't bear it. I remember the whole um, marble. You know, everything was like baby pink and sort of baby yellow, and it was marble, and then you know. People get obsessed and they read the trend guidelines. And certainly, and then if you're in my position to, you know, sort of start telling small businesses, it's going to just be about yellow marbling. And actually, no, it's not because and then you get landfill and then that, you know, do you know what I mean? So I actually think the trend I see and have seen for 20 years is that a gift is not a thing. It's a thought. It's love. And I just think that is the trend I know certainly for midlife and beyond, you know, it really is not a thing. It is a thought. So when we think about, you know, oh, you're so hard to buy for, you know, all these sorts of things. No, you're not. If you're thoughtful, do you know what I mean? There's a whole world there that you can make them happy. And I think remembering that it's not a thing, it's a thought and it's love really opens up. And that's what I've seen for 20 years, women being highly thoughtful, even in the most difficult of times, you know, how many of us have people who are really not going to like this Christmas due to illness, grief, all those sorts of things. And I think that that is where really remembering that it doesn't really matter what you get. It's the fact that you thought about somebody. That's my trend that I've seen and and, and will live with us women forever.
1: That is so lovely, isn't it, Trish? Now, the other thing that happens at Christmas is the socialising, which, I mean, Trish and I have done years of socialising through when we worked on magazines and, you know, running big offices and all the Christmas parties and the secret Santas. We've lived through it all. Personally, I wouldn't care if I never went to another Christmas party again. (laughs) But what are your thoughts around how we approach it? Because I like to be in bed by nine o'clock at Christmas, so (laughs) it's... What are your socialising thoughts? I do. I am, however, in favour of a, of anything sequin to wear, sustainable sequins if we can, anything sparkly to wear. So, the clash of wanting to look really nice and go out, but wanting to be home quite quickly and not see anybody
3: <laughs> is a, is a real problem for me, Holly. So, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, I'm I'm pretty similar. I keep myself to myself a more um, more often than not nowadays. I think that actually it is again, it is about that idea of. What is your non-negotiables and what can you do? So yours is getting to bed at nine. So maybe it's starting the festivities a bit earlier. It's all about this um sort of understanding. I I, I went into advertising at 18, just after the 80s, and sort of feel like I had my fair share um, of that throughout my entire, you know, that my beginning of my careers into, then as you said, going to all the networking dues and, and then feeling that you have to go to these things. And it's, it's absolutely, it can be so draining, especially for women who don't have, you know, have you arranged the babysitter? Have you arranged this? It's just absolutely tiresome. So for me, it is all about the closest people, uh, keeping my circle pretty small, and, and really sort of doubling down on them um so my perfect night is the local pub and then back to mine for chilies and margarita and a chili and margarita and potentially dancing with the children around the kitchen table um with the dogs going wild that is for me perfect and in bed by like 10 so it's so christmas day for me is similar it's not a late one but it is it's pretty wholesome and small Um, I don't like anything too big.
2: You obviously go into everything with a lot of thought and planning, so you're mentally prepared for it. But do you find you physically, are there things that you need to physically do to look after yourself, to take care of yourself? When you're you're being a hurricane all the time, how do you look after yourself?
3: Well, it only happened in lockdown. Um, It's the one thing I have to say that was very positive for myself, that experience. Up until that point, I don't think I even, I don't know, saw seasons. I just raced all the way to that moment. And I felt like that was the first time in my forever that I was not, I am usually maybe felt the same. I wasn't commuting. I wasn't about to have the hustle of the morning and the thing and it starts and the voice notes and the the texts and the, the whole thing. And so it was bizarre to go walk the dog along the river in the time that I would have been manically trying to get out the house. And actually, at that point in time, I said, right, okay, I'm going to start introducing things. So I started walking. And that led to uh, couch to 5k. Couch to 5k led to uh, meeting a, a trainer. And um, I have now been training for a few years now. And that has then had the knock on effect. You know, they say that about habits, isn't it? It's the hacking the habit. So that then led to eating better, that then led to drinking less, that then led to sleeping more, that then led... So actually, I really believe in that domino effect. And that I I think about myself two years ago compared to where I am today. I'm a very different person, actually. I've got less fat at the bottom and more muscle at the top. I mean, who would have thought... And I, you know, things like that then led to me taking up piano. So I do a piano lesson each week. There's a couple of things I do now, which are my non-negotiables, which keep me able to control my adrenaline, control the stress level. And if I don't do those things, I notice it goes straight back to the old Holly. So it is, it's is—it's quite interesting. And I thought this was all codswallop, by the way.
1: Yeah, this is the basis of the whole podcast, Holly. <laughs> I mean, we are from that. We're slightly older than you, so we're 10 years older than you. So we're from that manic, what we call Gen X. It's the endurance generation. You are just up and braced the moment you open your eyes and, and going through. It. It's only when you take that moment. It's good to hear a woman of 46 talking about this because it will make a real difference to the next 10 years of your life. If we'd known about this, this is why we set the podcast up. If we'd known that these tiny things that we thought were a bit woo woo, waste of time, we're just getting on with it. We're just achieving. We're running the family. We're running. If we'd known about this, we wouldn't have gone through the unravelling that the two of us <laughs> went through. So well done. So your two things then are exercise and diet, I'm assuming, nutrition.
3: I've got a few things. Exercise, um, nutrition. Um, so I fast in the morning. Piano. So I am actually now have a creative outlet that's not my job because I'm very creative. My whole world is creativity. I, I learned how to breathe. I had a breathing coach. So I actually learned how to breathe. Um, I did things like I take my mouth now. I was a snorer. I now don't snore. So I think my quality of sleep is better. And what I try and do, and I, I, your viewers can't see, I have a little sheet here on my computer, which each year in January, I just make three or four promises to myself in the year of my new additions. So I'm not going to try and do it all, just a couple of additions this year. So this year I can see was I did um, life coaching right at the beginning of the year because I was having a breakdown about my son leaving for uni and launching my new uh, site, which I thought everyone's going to judge me because obviously I've done Not On The High Street and now it's going to be all eyes. I had just the worst Christmas last year. I think our coat cupboard has never been so organised in its life. For the therapy it was giving me so I did a lot of mind coaching to try and get out of that I did training breathing and piano so next year I'll have another little piece of paper where I'll write down a couple of other things I'd like to add it's really made a life-changing difference to me to cope with stress
1: we're going to have to do that Trish we're going to have to stick it on our little postcards for me but I'm going to put rest on mine yes I'm going to actively seek out rest um, so we always try and support, Trish and I, uh, charities that we uh, enjoy working with over Christmas. We've done a little thing for Plan, didn't we, Plan UK this year. Um, we are on the board at Their World, which is the global education charity. We do a little bits of things with them. What charities do you think could be helpful for our listeners to support over Christmas?
3: Something I'm quite proud of is we have just—I mean, this has been a very manic five weeks, as you can imagine. So it wasn't the plan to launch uh, the new marketplace in the peak of Christmas, but there we are. All best plans and everything. So we've actually created a range um, on the site. Our small businesses um, w- around the word peace, and all of our commission for those products will go to War Child. And so actually, you can buy a beautiful tree topper with the word peace. I mean, it's actually just stunning. Everything they create is stunning. We've been called the liberty of small business. So you can sort of picture that sort of feeling or the, uh, what was the other day? The independent anthropology. I mean, just such lovely compliments. So the collection isn't just the word peace written on it. It's actually um, beautifully created by female founders, small businesses by hand and all commission goes to War Child. And that is obviously going to be very, very close to all of our hearts what's going on this year. Um, So we wanted to do something about it. Do you want to explain what War Child is for anyone who's not heard? Yeah, War Child is a charity that really doesn't take sides. It's just about protecting children in crisis um, going through war. And so they're going to obviously treat um, the children in different uh, areas of this war differently because they have different needs. But ultimately, the absolute aim is to protect those most vulnerable which is children
2: and that is something we all really need to be very aware of at this christmas in particular don't we now just one last little silly thing really to end on furry friends do you buy do you buy gifts for your little (laughs) my 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 fur baby your fur baby yes we've got um, cats dogs margot the
3: famous podcats what would you what are you buying for your little doggy To buy a little doggy gift. Since Harry's gone to uni, these two have now just become absolutely the the, apple, they're my centre of attention all the time. What are they, Holly? Two border terriers uh, Chewbacca, who's three, but who will eternally be a puppy to me, and Mudley, the grumpy border, who's 10. So we uh, just, what aren't they getting? So we've got these great dog biscuits that can be personalised. So they're going to get Happy Christmas dog biscuits. They're going to get um, a bandana. We've got these badges, which is Great Bottom Sniffer. Get one of them for you, Trish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm going to I'm going to tie I'm going to iron on these patches onto bandanas. Um, We've got um, a lovely lady that does pet portraits, um, and she paints them. Um, So actually, I'm going to town because our pet department is something to be reckoned with because we're basically uh, myself and the founders we all have dogs. So we've gone all out with the uh dog theme this year.
2: Oh, well I'm so glad that I haven't done any of my Christmas shopping left yet. I left it. <laughs> I've
3: left it till I- I'm glad
2: because now I've got so many ideas and I'm definitely going to be heading on to Holly and Co probably straight after this call in fact. Um but thank you so much Holly. You've been so helpful on everything, gifts, life advice. Getting through it, getting it done. It's been so lovely talking to you.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
2: little donkey <laughs> little donkey it's got nothing to do with nostalgia noodle well actually it has because we sang that as little children didn't we so we're going to do a little christmasy nostalgia noodle if you got one Lorraine
1: well donkeys do factor heavily in my childhood you oh, know no, that, don't exactly you? With, uh, eric my dad's donkey anyway donkeys aside I thought I'd put out a little bit of a plea, a kind of what do we do about this nostalgia noodle because my husband is so enthusiastic about Christmas he would start celebrating it probably in September. Yes. We'd have our tree up on November the 1st if, we, if, if he had his way. So all through the years with our four children, so it's been relentless, the little rituals and routines and nostalgia around Christmas, relentless. We always see Stickman Aww. at the theatre and we always see the Gruffalo every year. Mabel is twelve. She will not go this year. Doesn't want to go. None of them want to go. All the other relatives, because he has four brothers and sisters, they their children are too small. Oh, <laughs> he has got tickets. Oh, he needs to borrow a child. So we now need to find him a child to to keep this nostalgic thing oh. going. I don't know if any listeners have any ideas how you do that. He can't go on his own because that would be wrong, I think. He would look a bit odd. It might be wrong if he takes someone's child who he doesn't know as well. That could be very wrong. That could be very wrong. I know. I know. We don't really... We don't really know how to fill this nostalgic need for him. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's sad, isn't it? I'm just trying to think. He's going to have to wait for some grandchildren, I think, because... um, And let's hope that's not sooner off. (laughs) Later. (laughs) We don't want any yet. But, um... We used to go to Holiday on Ice at Wembley Arena. I mean, I don't think I went to a panto. Did you do pantos? We did the ice skating. That was lovely, where you watched them all
1: glitzy, skating around. Uh, we'd occasionally go to one at the Theatre Royal in Plymouth. Oh. Pantomime, big night out. But my mum didn't like it because very loud. She doesn't like loud noises. Didn't like cinema either, too loud. But I'm not genuinely a fa- generally a fan of panto. We did take the kids once to the famous one in Hackney, Oh, yes, yes. It's very rude, Trish. We made a mistake. Not age-appropriate. It was not age-appropriate at all. No, we went to the wrong... They have one that is age-appropriate and then they have one that isn't and we got all mixed up. You booked it all wrong. I think I'm going to have to just find a different thing for him to do. Yes, a new tradition. A new tradition with older, more grown-up children. Lovely. And if anybody's got any ideas for that, please get in touch, as you
2: always do, on our Facebook group or by email to hello at midlife.com. And that's it from us, isn't it? We're over and out for
1: 2023. What a year it has been. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, everybody.